Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Okay, I am so excited to announce this, but I have decided to do something a little different for the last 10 weeks of this year. Whether you are new here or you've been an avid listener since day one, I wanted to highlight the top 10 episodes from this past year. And come 2022, I'm going to start a new season. Nothing's going to change. It's still going to come out on Mondays. I'm just going to start a second season. So I wanted to end this season by highlighting the top 10 episodes. And I chose those top 10 based on the ones that were the most listened to. So for the final 10 weeks of 2021, I am going to start with number 10, working all the way back to number one. And number one will be aired on the final day of the final Monday of 2021. So you can look forward to that. You guys, I am so excited for you to either hear these for the first time or re-listen to them if you've heard them before, because we're in a new place. Even if you've heard it before, I invite you to listen again, because you'll probably hear something different. You'll learn something different. Something new will stand out to you. And I invite you to listen up. Cool. All right. Here we go. Here is number six. Hello, 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 my beautiful friends. Kate, you guys, a couple weeks ago, I did a podcast interview with one of my really good friends, Rebecca, and we chatted about grace when you lose a child. And she recently had a stillborn baby and she was able to share her message of hope and love and all of that while going through this hard time right now. Right. And I got to thinking and I just realized, you know what, I feel like there is more that needs to be said on this topic because losing a child, it's not, I mean, yes, stillborn is a huge, huge part of that, but there's also all the sides of, you know, what if you lose an adult child or what if you lose a child to suicide or what if you lose a child to drug overdose or what if you lose a child to car accidents or what if you lose a child to all these other there's so many ways that you could lose a child right and as i was thinking about this i had someone come to mind and all the things that i just said <laughs> this beautiful human has literally experienced every single one of them And I don't want to share all of her story. I want her to share with us. Um, But this amazing woman and I, we've only met once. And it was actually at a church. I was serving with the young women with her sister, actually. Sister-in-law? Sister. Sister. (laughs) Sister. Okay. So I was serving in church with her sister. And she she was able to come in. by invitation to share this message with the 16, 17 year old girls 
that we were serving with. And I just remember being blown away by her story. And that was like eight years ago. And since then she's lost another child and a, a son-in-law. So two more child children actually. So anyways, without further ado, I want to bring on beautiful Nancy. So thank you. Thank you for being here with us and for sharing your story and all the things. <laughs> Just, I'm glad I can share this story. Not very many people have these experiences, and I just want to be able to help others to, to see what it's like and how to get through that. So anyway, I think everybody should pull out a tissue first, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want young mothers to be afraid. I've been listening to, to the podcast here, and I just know that this is a lot of young, women, young mothers, and I don't want them to think this would be their life puzzle. I really believe that everybody has their own puzzle. This is mine. And I just um, don't want people to feel like, okay, that's gonna happen to me. You guys will all have your own challenges and your own things you need to do in this life and to get through an experience. Okay, to begin with, I had, um, I loved children from the time I said, I just wanted to be a mommy. And it, uh, just like Brian, I went into early childhood education at BYU, had this all planned, got married, and we were both going to BYU. And, um, and I thought, uh, okay, we're going to get married and I'm not going to worry about, about not being able to do school and have kids. I wanted kids right away. But within about three months, I went in and I found out I was pregnant. Everything was online. Everything was going the way I wanted it to. And then the doctor visited with me about a month later after all the throwing up and all that great nausea stuff you go through, <laughs> plus going to school, plus working part-time. But anyway, I went in there and he says, you're going to have a miscarriage. And I said, oh, great. Okay. So about a week later, yes, 12 hours of labor and a miscarriage and no baby. And it just kind of shattered me. And then for the next three years, we continued and I had three more miscarriages. And finally, and that was at like four months. And finally a doctor saw something on an ultrasound and says, you have a bicoronary uterus. And I go, well, what's that? And that's a heart-shaped uterus. So the top isn't round. So the baby will get caught uh, the, when the baby gets implanted up there, it does not, it can't grow. And so I said, you can just wait for it to implant lower or we can do a surgery. And it was a very high, high risk surgery. And he also said from here on out, you're gonna have C-sections and you can't ever go into labor because your, your uterus could burst. Well, let's go forward another year, find out I'm pregnant, a little bit scared because I've never had one go all the way full term and she did make it full term. And it was so exciting and so happy that she did have colic. And so I thought mothers all over the world were living like I was. I thought, how come I didn't know moms were up all night with this crying baby? But <laughs> anyway, we got through that. So we, we did that. And then I had another little girl uh, three years later and another and a little boy and two and a half years later. And again, these pregnancies were, I was, I was very sick the whole time, but I was able to get through them. And then also I went into labor early, which I'm not supposed to do. And um, it was kind of scary. But we had him and then my, another daughter after that. That one was very scary. I had to be at bed rest for two months with four little kids and helping my husband run his business. So we got through that. And she finally, um, they, she, we were able to get her to stay in my uterus long enough to survive when they uh, took the C-section. And then my next baby, again, same thing, throwing up, lost 15 pounds, couldn't eat anything, was throwing up in the garbage every time I fed my kids. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I loved my kids. I was so happy to have them. And, that's, and, and you had six, is that? So this, this is number five. And then 
number six is that is when things got a little bit crazy or the doctor told me I had placenta uh, preview at the time, that's very dangerous. And I thought, okay, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay, we'll get through this. And towards the end, I had a lot, a lot of pain one night and it went on for a couple of days and then it kind of let up a little bit. And I went in to see the doctor on Monday, C-section planned on, on Wednesday. And he says, there's no heartbeat. And I says, what? Because my, my uterus was moving. I thought she was kicking, but apparently that was just the, um, you know, the, um, the muscles just moving around and, and doing the, the contractions. And it just, just threw me into this scary world. And, and I remember driving to the hospital. I said, I go to the hospital and get, a, get an ultrasound and I can even find a parking place and I just can't even think. And it was just crazy. And I was by myself and my husband was on his way. But the miracle of the thing is I've got in and got that ultrasound and a doctor there that had, knew something about placenta accretia, which a lot of people don't know anything about, he saw that. And if it wasn't for him, I and the things that we learned about that, I would not be here today. So I thought, well, the doctor's just thinking me a C-section today and then we can say goodbye to my baby. And um, they said, nope, you're going to the University of Utah and you're gonna have, your doctors are gonna be um, surgeons and cancer surgeons. So they can get cut off that accretia. So I waited the night, uh, again, in labor all the time, wondering if this placenta preview was gonna make it even worse. And we drove up to Salt Lake and just waited to get in there. It seemed like everybody was laughing and joking, but I really felt like I was in my Gethsemane and carrying my cross by myself and not knowing what was ahead of me. Um, so they took me into the, to the room where they give you your, your IV and put, put the, um, put you to sleep and the, some sweet ladies came in with a little box they do this for the for women that are losing their babies it's the same thing they talked about in the last podcast and had a little dress in there because I called my sister-in-law says oh please go get a dress we're gonna have to bury my baby and they had a baby dress and all these beautiful little gifts and things to give me comfort and I think my husband came in the last minute he ran off with his brothers for a little while and came in the last minute I can't remember but all I, the thing I do remember is waking up and looking at the clock and I was in ICU and seeing how much time had passed and thought, what happened? I didn't know what happened. And um, trying to breathe and they had me on a breathing machine and I said, no, I gotta get off this machine and crying and weeping and praying that the Lord had let one of the nurses get, give me some attention <laughs> they finally looked at me and said oh no we can't take you off that machine that's what you want and I'm not in my head. they said no so I said so finally the, they said okay well let you but you've got to breathe deeply and I did and uh, I was able to breathe and at that time I um, my husband walked in the room and I guess it had been pretty serious pretty life and death and since the baby had died earlier then I knew my blood had gone to a point I think it's like a poison that gets into it or something but it could not it could not clot so um anyway so I went into the grief of losing my baby and then also trying to to live so 10 days in the hospital didn't know if I was going to live or die and um with five kids at home right? five children at home <laughs> and there was a time I don't know um if people Anyway, I'll just go ahead and give my spiritual experiences too. But there was a time when I was, felt like I was looking over my house and I, I had 
my children had learning disabilities and two of them had just been diagnosed, couldn't read, dyslexia, ADD, that kind of thing. And looking over and seeing my family and just saying, I can't leave those two kids because I'm the only one that knows how to help them. I thought the rest would be okay, but I just felt like, you know, I kind of made a choice. And um, but I'm sure that choice was made for me before. I just had to get it through my head. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think Heavenly Father wanted me to leave at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we came home and um, the grief was just intense because they took, because uh, I had hysterectomy and we're talking 14 units of blood if I hadn't gone up to the university. And if I would have had my C-section, there's no way they would have had enough blood to put back into my body. So it was a miracle. And um, I guess I can share this too. The doctor came to me and says, I don't know if I should, he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I really think she chose so that you could live. Otherwise we had lost both of you. So I had that peace in my heart that I was supposed to be here. I'm trying to take care of those little kids after being so sick and in such grief. I did the best I could. Um, grateful for all the friends and people that came to help me and six months down the line you've got to know if you go through I'm going to tell you a few things about grief your spouses don't expect these husbands that go up and they hold you and you cry and all that like they do in the movies not all men are like that <laughs> and so I was a little and he was just happy I was alive okay so um about six months in I go oh this is getting hard my marriage isn't doing very well and stuff and I went to a support group and that was the miracle found this support group a man's in there and the support group is usually women and he says, I want to tell you women something. Our, us men are different. We like to throw ourselves into our work. And I thought, aha, I get it. And so because of that, and then they also told me one other thing that made all the difference. And it's, it's going to be okay. They didn't say it's going to be better, that your life's going to be the way it was before. It's going to be okay. And I believed him. And so, yes, my husband and I kind of went separate ways. And as far as grieving, we didn't grieve together, but we got back together later. And now this pattern is set for what happened in the next part of my life. The brain is actually one of the laziest organs in your body. So when you get a groove there, make sure you get the right groove. And that includes not getting drugs, not doing alcohol, just go through the grief and feel the pain. Um, so here we are years later, my son, two weeks before I lost him was on, leaning again. He and I were super, super close. I mean, he always watched my back and he was just always there for me. And He's leaning against the wall and he says, mom, I think my friends are using me. And I thought, hmm, about time you figured that out. <laughs> my kids are so nice. They have great personalities, but I'm telling you, I don't know what got into him. He had how old, how old was he? He was a 19 at this time. Okay. So just graduated from high school. And then two weeks later, we went on a great family trip and vacation and motorcycle riding and stuff like he loved to do. And that Sunday, he got up, he hadn't gone to church for a few weeks, and he got up that morning, was all dressed, and went to church with me, and with his sisters, and kept telling his sisters to, to be quiet. <laughs> in the meantime, my husband's got callings in other places, but um, it says, please be quiet, and listen to these speakers, and the speakers all talked about repentance, and changing your life, and, and it was just beautiful, and um, then he came home, and he says, well, my friends called, want me to come over, and I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I thought, okay, whatever, Came home that night. I was busy with the other kids. And he was always good about coming home on time. I says, do your friends make fun of you because you're always coming home on time? He says, no, they sit there happy that they think it's cool. They have a mom that cares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he told me. Mm -hmm. So he came home next morning, went to his room. And yeah, 
he was gone. We thought maybe it was, we didn't know, we didn't know what it was. We had no idea. But apparently he'd gotten some drugs that night and it was the second time that he had tried them. And I know this kid went kicking and screaming. He did not want to go. And it was very, very hard. The funeral was huge. There were people from all walks of life there. Old people, young people, rowdy kids, really good stellar kids. And the stake center was filled to the back and it was huge because he knew and loved so many people. And the stories I heard about him and all the people he defended throughout his life, the people he'd called and contacted and comforted in their sorrows. And just to have all those people there telling me what a great son he was. And I knew that, but he was, he was humble. He never told me all that stuff. They told me. <laughs> so getting through that again, felt like a truck ran over us every morning, my husband and I. I felt like I was a walking donut, like my insides were all missing, but people did not. I did not show those things to other people. I mean, they knew, but they, I, I didn't walk around in a cloud because I'd been through grief before and I knew there was a time in the future that it would feel better. And, um, and it took, I think four years. And one day I was in there, it was, and the other thing is, is the dates, your body remembers the dates. They remember the dates of the death. They remember the dates their birth dates and all of a sudden you're feeling really super sad and you're doing your ugly crying and then you look at the calendar and you go oh okay I get it so this had been April and he died in April and I looked back and I thought oh I had two days this week when I wasn't feeling this pain mm -hmm. and it just started to let up I'm talking four years mm -hmm. I had somebody write a letter to me after he died and said it's, said, it's been six weeks I'm sure you're fine now so I'm going to tell you this <laughs> Yeah. There's no, there's no, no limit on, on sorrow and pain and grief. So I was feeling pretty good and knew that I'd be okay. And then three months later, my daughter, his sister, three, year, three, three years younger than him, took her life. We knew from the time she was um, maybe 11 or 12 that there was some problems. We saw the cutting and stuff, but you would never know with this girl. She had, she giggled from the time she was born. She was always happy. And she climbed the mountain every day with depression and never let on to it. I mean, we knew, and like she wrote us a beautiful letter that said she tried everything and that she'd lived as long as she possibly thought she could to make sure that we didn't have to go through pain again. But suicide's another story. It's so different than drug abuse those kind of things it was a decision that she made and told us how much she loved us and that she had tried religion she says I tried I tried sinning <laughs> she says I tried medication I tried counseling and I mean she didn't have anything in her system when she died either so this was a, a choice that she had made and I'm sure a lot of how it old, had to, how old was she she was 20 she was 20 and I'm sure a lot of it was that she lost her brother and the grief she went through with him because he was one that watched her back too so there we are. So we have the suicide. And, that and was a how, different... how long did you say it was in between those two? Um, four years. Four years. Okay. Yeah. So. so just when you're starting to feel a little better. Right. <laughs> oh, so like I said, it's just my puzzle. Don't think it's going to happen to you, but mm -hmm. I just want you to know that 
I didn't go through it alone. I mean, the savior was by my side. I know he was. And I, I have a quote I'll share later that goes with that. Just the last one was a year and a half ago when the same policeman that came to my door, when um, he was telling me about my daughter came to my door and um, my oldest daughter was there and I saw him and I thought, no way. And um, there was a car accident. He was asking us um, a few questions, had to get some information, pictures of my second daughter and her husband. And they were investigating all that, but we knew that there was something that they had died. And so, yeah, the next day we went through the grief again, got the final word that they were dead. They're, they were driving a truck and the trailer fell off the back of the truck and they were going up the mountain and the truck flipped. That we did find out and they had a friend that was following them and he went, he went down to help them. The, my daughter had got crushed under, so hers was a sudden, she was, she was dead automatically. But her husband, who has always loved her, they were so together. They, they just were so tight and they just watched each other's back 24 seven type of people together all the time and the things they did. And they lived with us for six years and helped us with our business. But so you can see that he, she was all he had in his life. And he, um, so the friend left, called the police, came back and my son-in-law shot himself. So he could be with her. They had lost their, their faith in Jesus Christ at that time. They were very much, um, very humble, grateful people, and um, good people in many ways. So, did they uh, have any kids? They weren't able to have children. So, um, they had dogs and horses. <laughs> and they were starting a new life down in New Mexico where they were going to live off the land, you know, like so many people do. They don't have children and stuff. So, yeah, so that was. Um, and this was how, how long between? So, that was last year. So, um, my uh, 2011 for my, um, for my daughter that took her life. And then in 2019 for the other sister. So we lost her and him and it, everything you bump into. I mean, people say, don't get rid of anything right away. And at first you're like, Oh no, I just want to get rid of the pain. But in time, those things bring back memories and joy and happiness. And we run into things, my husband and I all the time, and we just cry over it. And it's okay. We're still getting through that. <laughs> but so that's my story with the death and of my children. And um, I have all kinds of advice on, on, on grieving. Like I said, don't take anything that might take that pain away because I think you need to get through it. It's okay to cry. It's, it, ringing out is probably one of the hardest things you'll do, but you'll just need to ring yourself out. And that will lead to your healing. I don't think healing happens if you ignore it or put it away. Mm -hmm. And we have to always remember the Savior. The Savior, he's acquainted with grief and, and, and acquainted with, with pain. And so we're not alone. He knows he can comfort us through this. And um, I think these are things we need to learn. So many of us want to comfort other people, but we don't know how. But maybe now I can comfort somebody else because I've been there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I just so many questions and so many thoughts. I just, I don't even know which one to start with first, but I guess my biggest question is how, how are your, uh, so you had six, six kids, right? right? I'm, down to, you, I'm down to two. Stillborn. Yeah. So now you've got two. <laughs> and how, how are they? Like, are they, he's a, 
it's been hard, but they're, they're doing good. They're really, they're doing pretty good. Oh, the other thing with my last daughter that died, yes, we did do, uh, she was the one that was so calm and so wonderful. And we just thought for sure, she didn't struggle in school or anything. We just had so much um, hope for her. And um, yes, I think about the time her, her brother died and stuff, she did get into some alcohol and some drugs. So we had, I've had that experience too with going through the drug addictions and, and there was a time when we, she was in the hospital and we thought it was suicide, but she told us it was, and I don't know for sure. And uh, her, her husband helped her get off of them, but they got on them again. But by the time they left our, our home, they were just doing alcohol. I asked her, can you get away from the alcohol? She says, mom, it's the only thing that helps with panic attacks, anxiety. And she had really bad uh, menstrual cramps. I can't remember what that's called, but yeah. So she says that's something that helps. So yes, the, the rollover of the truck, um, they were, her husband had really high high double what he should have alcohol content in his blood and so you can see again why he would probably do what he did thinking he had because of his drinking that he had um, taken her life and she was drinking that she had alcohol too but so yeah so I understand the drug alcohol thing and, and um, depression with your kids and and um, and I know that people I know you your thing is do you do I have guilt and to tell you the truth, my husband and I have talked about it a lot. We've done everything we could think of as a parent, family home evening, scripture reading, laughing, playing, loving each other. My kids were really close. They were kind to each other. Not a lot of yelling or anything at our house. And so I, I can say at this point that no, we don't really have guilt. We know we've made mistakes. You know, you do, you just don't know. We're just all here learning. Being a parent and you're just going to school, that's all it is. Don't expect to know <laughs> no algebra when you're just barely learning how to write your numbers. So for young mothers, I just say don't don't worry about that. Just do the best you can and don't have guilt about it. It's your it's it's just something that can happen in your life and and you'll be okay. And like I said, I do know there's a couple of times I keep saying, Oh, what's if I would have said this? And then I just tell myself no doesn't do any good to do that mm -hmm. you, you do the best you can and with the plan of salvation there's going to be life after this and so much of this will be made right mm -hmm. I've been to the temple for my kids and had some amazing experiences mm -hmm. so I don't think this is the end and any mistakes I did make the Lord will forgive me of that and I think he will also take any pain or um, anything that I did that might hurt my kids, take that away from them also. I think it's just an automatic thing. So just do the best you can. And just love your kids and get through these hard things. Yeah, I love that. And one of my favorite quotes is by Maya Angelou when she said, you know, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better, right? Exactly like you're saying. All, all we can do is our best. And playing that what if game is it's never helpful or kind so in for good homes you know I, I i wasn't trained i was trained to be a good mom i loved being a mom so i did the best i can and even went to school and learned a little more you know but so i don't i don't know what else i could have done okay so my next question is when i remember 
someone else asking this when I very first met you and I was just, oh my gosh, good, good to know. I will lock that away. Um, so what are some of the best things to say when someone else is grieving? Like what, what's the best thing that I can say to you as, as a friend, as a peer, as a whatever, and then what are, what's the worst thing to do or say? Um, I think it was interesting with my son's funeral. He had so many, like I said, buried people come through and his friends, actually the ones that he got in trouble with were actually came through several times and they've hugged us and hugged us. And we kind of felt like some of our strength left when they came, but our other friends who were strong and had faith and, and stuff like that, they hugged us and we got all that strength back. It was really, really interesting experience. And so that with him, everybody seemed to be saying, saying the right things. They were good and everything. But when my daughter died of suicide and she did not want to have a funeral, she did not want anybody. She just wanted it over with, you know, and we went ahead and had the funeral just because I think people need to grieve with you. And the whole time I'm worried that people are going to say something odd about the suicide. And it was beautiful because I just think the Lord blessed us because all my friends, the same friends that were at the funeral before came and they just said, I'm sorry. And that was enough. And my husband had an experience with that too, where he was in a group of men that's called a high council in our church. And one of the men went out and just put his arm around him. And that was it. There wasn't anything to be said. He, and it just gave my husband a lot of comfort. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. You just need to hug them and smile and tell me you love them. That's about it on that one. Yeah. And I, I, maybe it was you, but I feel like I've also heard someone share that like once a child has passed on, they love to still hear the beautiful stories of the the things that bring, that brought you joy, that you remember good about them. Right. Cause I feel like sometimes it's so like, don't bring them up. Don't bring them up. Don't bring them up. Mm -hmm. Right. But if we like, no, like, tell me the things that you love about them, the things that you remember and Mm -hmm. just, you know, oh my goodness, I'm listening to a song on the radio right now. That's totally bringing back the best memories of X, Y, Z, like just those random messages, even like 10 years later still are beautiful and helpful and healing. It was that, I don't know if it was you that shared that. But. Oh, no, that, that totally is true. I just love it when people bring them up. Not very people do very, very few people will even say, oh man, I miss Christine. And I remember the fun we had together. And some of them remember their birthdays and they post on their birthdays. Very, very few. Most people are just back off on all that, but it's good to do that. It really is. It's good to remember them and to know that they're still loved and thought about in this life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah. I was going to read um, a quote here from um, Elder Bednar. I hope that's okay. There is no physical pain or spiritual wound, no anguish of soul or heartache, no infirmity or weakness you or I ever confront immortality that the Savior did not experience first. In a moment of weakness, we may cry out, No one knows what this is like. No one understands. But the Son of God perfectly knows and understands. For he has felt and become our individual burdens and borne our individual burdens. And because of his infinite and eternal sacrifice, he has perfect empathy and can extend to us his arms of mercy. He can reach out, touch, succor, heal, and strengthen us to be more than we could ever be and help us to do that, which we could never do alone do rely on only upon our own power. And anyway, I'm a little bit 
repeated A, so sorry that, that wasn't very clear. But no, no. <laughs> but the whole cool. idea is simply we are not alone because our Savior suffered in all these things, and so he can comfort us. So when you suffer, don't be afraid to tell people, to comfort people that have been through the same thing you've been through. It's been hard for me. I've talked to people that had kids that are suicide and I've comforted them and same with the drug addiction and stuff, but I've never met anybody that's had all that I've had. And it would be awesome for me to find somebody that could comfort me and that could comfort them in, in this kind of a thing. And um, so just kind of look around. My daughter who took her life in her letter wanted us to write this on her headstone. She said, be kind, everyone is fighting a hard battle. And she had that on her headstone because that's what she believed in her life. She did everything she could to, to help other people and to be kind to everyone. And so when it comes to helping people through grief, just be kind. And I did love all the food they brought. <laughs> so, but, but mostly it's just the kind words. And it was interesting when my daughter just died. Um, some people came and just dropped things off at the porch or just said hi at the porch but my old friends came in and sat down the ones that had been with, through this with me before and knew my kids well came in and we sat down and had conversations and it brought so much comfort so even then the food it, it was the comfort of my friends and it's scary you may not feel safe going in those kind of places where you see sorrow and pain but if you can it's worth it for those people mm -hmm. we need to comfort those in need of comfort mm -hmm. And be willing to put ourselves sometimes in uncomfortable positions, even just for an hour in order to bring those people one hour of peace. We have to be vulnerable. We do. And um, yeah. Mm. And then another thing I would, I've learned is you don't judge others. I've heard women say they didn't do anything to raise their kids. They said they just raised themselves and they're perfect kids. So, you know, don't think that just because your kids go one direction. It, what, it, it isn't because you didn't do things right. You did the best you can. And um, like I said, some kids just raise themselves. We all are given children from our heavenly father that he knows we can raise and we can love and do the best we can with. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of helps with the, any kind of guilt too. That's a beautiful, beautiful message and beautiful reminder because I, I, that is one message that I try to get across often and always. One of the reasons I put it in the, in the intro to my podcast is you are the mother your children need, right? And you are perfect <laughs> as a mother just because you love your kids, right? And there are so many variables of the choices that they can make, the personalities that they have, the trials that they're going to have that we have absolutely no control over, right? But all, all we can do is love. And if we just love them to the best of our abilities, and like you're saying over and over again, rely on our savior <laughs> in, in the good, the bad, the ugly, the hard, the, you know, in all of it, then he makes us stronger than we could ever be on our own. Yeah, we can't do this alone. I don't know how people do. Well, a lot of people don't do well, but I'm doing well. My husband and I are doing well. And again, you know, you got to remember, I didn't know if we'd be able to have children. I was even looking into adoption. And, um, and my husband just says, well, remember the blessing. You got children. Just because they're naughty, you still got some. And that's what you wanted. And so it was, children are a blessing, no matter what their personalities are, what they put you through. They are a blessing. It's better than not having children. 
Yeah. And my, my sister, she, she so far has been unable to have children, but they, they got to have a placement this last weekend actually of foster care. And so this last weekend was their first weekend being parents. And, and they, I mean, my sister is only, what is she? She's five years younger than me. So she's 25 and they, they were blessed with a 13 year old and a nine-year-old boy. And, you know, like that, that's not necessarily the, the parenthood journey that she thought she would be on. And that is the most unwanted age for foster and child care, but you better believe she is so grateful. And she messaged me this last weekend that she just said, I'm listening to your podcast right now. And I just started bawling at your intro of just, you are the mother these boys need and you are perfect just because you love them. And, you know, especially with like foster care and in, in any situation, right? Like you didn't know you were going to lose four of your kids way earlier than you thought. Right. And no matter how much time we are blessed to be in these people's lives, you know, what can we do to just make sure that the time we do have is, is the best that it can be. Right. Cause we have no idea how long we've got. So just love them, be patient with them and just know they have their own puzzles in life too. We all do. We don't know what our missions are and how long they'll last. My son could hardly sleep. I almost wonder if he just didn't know he's going to live very long. So <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm just going to be busy though, as long as I can be, because I just remember him saying all the time, like, Ooh, he was like four years old. Oh mom, another minute left. And then his inability to sleep at night and stuff. So you just wonder, you just don't know what the plan was. And, and how do we know there wasn't some grace in him going when he did rather than going through some other hard things and being hurt and abused by people? How do you know? We don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, but we can trust the Lord that there is a plan, that he loves us, and that there is an eternity. Yeah, well, and I almost think sometimes I'm almost envious of the people who pass away at a young age. I'm like, I want to go home. Like, I want to go back to my father, <laughs> you know, like, and I feel like it really is truly the hardest for us, you know, that are still here without them. And, um, yeah, like you said, we have no idea what they would have been through if they had still stayed here. And I had a really good friend. I talked about this on the podcast that just went live this, this past week, but my friend just lost her baby. He's eight months old and he never got to come home from the hospital. He was there the whole, his whole life. Right. And who knows, you know, what his life would have been like, had he been able to come home and there's so many lessons in his short life, you know, that his parents were able to learn from and his older brother was able to learn from, but we really, I mean, they're the lucky ones, almost the ones that get to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had the stillborn, remember? Mm-hmm. You keep thinking, oh, I didn't know her as well as any of the others, except she was the hardest kicker I had. So <laughs> other than that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, I just say one's in the pocket, you know, I've got one that, that's, being faithful and she's doing good and so sometimes when they're young like that you've got that hope too Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah but it takes time to get the hope there (laughs) to to get through the the pain and stuff and to be able to see things a little more clearly Mm -hmm. and uh and like I said we won't know we won't know until the next life why so we just have to have faith and trust that 
everything's working out for the best. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of couples that have been through hard things that are, they separate, they go their own ways. My husband and I just go through these hard things, come back together, talk about what we learned. And um, I just highly recommend just hang in there. And just like I said, go through the grief. And like I said, and then also, I just think we need to know grief. I think we need to understand that the Savior understands it. And he he know, understands it for a reason. There's a reason we need to know it. And we, we have to go back. I'm a big family history person. And I go back and I get their stories all the time. 150 years, they were losing kids all the time. We went to Africa to the place where my daughter did all of her, her work with the Africans. And they'd lose half of their children. And so this is just a different world we're in now. And I think we kind of live in a bubble in some ways. So we just need to know that this is life. And I, I think the reason I'm so um, love family history so much is because I can click a button and, and find a baby and add it to the family and get them sent to the temple and sealed. So that's another thing that I've found has been really helpful in my situation as far as being sad about losing children, being able to help other people put their families back together. Yeah. And how beautiful that is that we can learn from those lessons and, and then serve others through their grief, you know? Right. I, There's I wanna... nothing I'd like more than to have somebody I could, yeah, that's going through what I'm going through right now. So if anybody wants to reach out, it's like, yeah. I would love to help other people. Well, and it makes you feel like your, your trial had a purpose that it wasn't just for your own benefit and learning, but then you can help others. Right. And yeah. it makes it feel yeah, they can help me too. A little easier. Um, I want to read this quote real quick that I love. Um, this is by Elder Holland. And I feel like I may have said this before on a previous podcast, but it's worth repeating, even if I've said it before. Um, so Elder Holland says, with apologies to Elder Neil A. Maxwell for daring to modify and enlarge something he once said, I too suggest that one's life cannot be both faith-filled and stress-free. It simply will not work to glide naively through life, saying as we sip another glass of lemonade, Lord, give me all thy choicest virtues, but be certain not to give me grief, nor sorrow, nor pain, nor opposition. Please do not let anyone dislike me or betray me, and above all, do not ever let me feel forsaken by thee or those I love. In fact, Lord, be careful. Sorry, let me say that again. In fact, Lord, be careful to keep me from all the experiences that made thee divine. And then when the rough sledding by everyone else is over, please let me come and dwell with thee where I can boast about how similar our strengths and our characters are as I float along on my cloud of comfortable Christianity. Right. True. Yeah. Beautiful quote. I've heard that before too. So that's truth right there. What you just read is truth. Mm -hmm. And we have to go through those hard things so that when we, when we get to see our savior again, we have, we have truly learned and truly grown and truly become worthy of, of his presence. Right. Right. I, like I said, I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad that I'm alive. I mean, I could have gone earlier and been on the other side, who knows, but I am grateful. I am seriously grateful for every day I've been alive and I want to live a long life. I don't want to live a short one. I'm not in a hurry to leave. And um, because I can see the purpose in this life now and I can see the growth that has taken place over these years. And I wouldn't want that to be taken away from me. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, huh? But 
you know, when you're younger, you say, oh, just let me go. <laughs> get older, you go, now, wait a minute, maybe I have some more things I can learn here. Mm-hmm. And that can be a bit better, be a good influence of those around me for as long as I'm here. Yeah. And who can I help? Who can I? Yeah, who can I help? What am I? And let me finish my mission here on earth. Mm-hmm. Which is so beautiful. So, yeah. well, thank you for sharing your story. And I, one of the things that I love so much about this is that now your story is recorded, you know, and it's your, your posterity (laughs) and people who love you and know you like this, it's, it's now written down somewhere, AKA recorded really, but it's, it won't be lost and your story won't be lost. And I, I truly feel like that is one of the most beautiful parts about it's almost this podcast. It's almost a journal of sorts, not just for me only, but for all the beautiful moms that have been able to come on and share their experiences. And I just, I really thank you for, for your vulnerability and your willingness to learn and your willingness to share. And I'm so grateful you're still here and you really are beautiful. I I have wanted to write my story. It's been very difficult. And, but I keep thinking in my head, if I write this, they're going to put it in the fiction section instead of biography. (laughs) Yeah. No one's going to believe that this all happened to one family. For some reason, it's been really hard for me to just get that all in words. But thank you for the opportunity to share this on this podcast. And and hopefully I've been able to help somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, you've helped me if no one else. So, all right. Well, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? I think that's it. Thank you. again. Thank you. Just hang in there. Yeah. And uh, have faith. I guess that's the biggest thing I just say, have faith. Everything's going to be okay. And you guys are wonderful mothers. (laughs) There's no perfect mother. Mm -hmm. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. That's true. Yep. And when we, when we're able to learn our own lessons and then do what we can to serve and pay it forward and share and buoy Mm -hmm. each other up, that's when, that's when life really does feel purposeful and meaningful. So and I know young mothers are very overwhelmed, but boy, am I grateful for those years and those memories. So hang in there on that one too, because mm-hmm. that's hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, beautiful Nancy. And for all my amazing listeners out there, I hope this was as beautiful for you as it was for me. And I will see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.